1: On round two today, let's meet, I was going to say our contestants, but uh, I, I don't think it's going to be that competitive.
2: I'll uh, answer the question, John. I'll answer. True. Let's go. This is your wheelhouse, isn't
1: it? Jason Agnew is you here from the Trivia Show on News Talk 1010. Patrick Brown is the mayor of Brampton. Chloe Brown is a policy analyst, former mayoral candidate in the city of Toronto. Well, let's talk politics for a moment, and we don't have to spend too much time on this, but I'm curious, and maybe Patrick Brown, I'll start with you. You having contested a leadership campaign in the past. Uh, two Ontario Liberal leadership candidates are teaming up in an effort to block Bonnie Crombie. I didn't know she was something to be feared, but apparently these two candidates think they need to join forces to knock her out. What do you say? I think this happens
3: in every leadership.
1: Um, I know the one I uh, participated in in 2015, there were
3: similar um, agreements uh, uh, between different uh, camps. And so this is natural. It, it is uh, a game to the finish line, and usually um, the target in every leadership race is the front runner.
1: Jason, I guess they feel that Bonnie Crombie, while they said in so many words, they said she was too similar to uh, Doug Ford. But the thing is, if by getting together they don't knock her out, then she will be the leader and they're finished in provincial politics.
2: Yeah, no doubt, John. Um, The only good thing here is perhaps, you know, these two gentlemen's names are out there. And now we know that they are running for the Liberal Party, because previous to this, I didn't know who they were. And actually, tomorrow, I will forget once again, because Bonnie Crombie will be taking
0: this.
1: I'm pretty sure that's the case. Chloe, your thoughts?
0: As a voter, it's kind of exciting to have politicians fighting for the vote actually happening. Um, After the last two campaigns that I've been in, I actually love this dynamic. It adds to the discourse. It actually pulls the attention of voters to to actually think about why are they fighting for me. So I love the chaos and I hope that it continues. Ontario is getting quite active on the file
1: of how businesses run their affairs effectively. And the latest thing is Ontario will ban requiring newcomers to have Canadian work experience in order to apply for a job. Jason, it doesn't measurably change much. It won't appear in the ad, but it doesn't mean you, know, you won't fail the interview because they still want you to have Canadian work experience.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's unfortunate, but there will come a time, Don, uh, John, don't you think that there's just a certain amount of desperation that is put in place here uh, where people do need uh, skilled people that may not have the experience here in Canada, but do have it in other places and can therefore, you know, go ahead and make those higher. So hopefully this does help, but you're absolutely right. This could be screened out in the first or this can be screened out in a resume for, for that matter.
1: Chloe Brown, your thoughts?
0: I agree. I've worked as a job developer in that space before, and employers have the upper hand here because they want what they want. I think that there's a bigger opportunity to look at credential system and making it better as opposed to just having this arbitrary piece of policy.
1: Yeah, Patrick Brown, I guess it depends largely upon the job. I mean, if a guy can swing a hammer or a gal can swing a hammer, then bring it on. Uh, Jerry's example was of the advertising industry, although I don't get the feeling an awful lot of ad executives immigrate to Canada.
3: Well, I, I think this is a, a no-brainer. If you've got talent and skill that um, you developed elsewhere, that, that that should count. And you know, there's a little bit of this during COVID, during the pandemic, when they changed some of the rules to allow more uh, foreign trained nurses to help out in the hospitals when they are overwhelmed. And I thought that was a very positive development. And so th- 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 this is a good initiative. And, you know, we need talent in Ontario. And no matter where it, that that training came from. We should welcome
1: it. It would seem that more and more Canadians are facing workplace discipline as a result of social media posts and mostly about the Israeli Hamas war. Chloe Brown, how free should somebody be to get busy on social media and not have it spill over into the workplace?
0: This is a very tricky subject for me. Okay. Um, as someone who is a millennial and someone who works in policy, there's this idea that we're supposed to be nonpartisan, no opinion, but this is an issue that's impacting communities around me. And I don't think employers should be creeping on private social media. If this is not something on the company account, there is that plausible deniability that the institution has. But as private citizens, we should be talking about this because this is something that affects our tax dollars, our neighborhood relationships, et cetera. Patrick Brown, I
1: have to think that a lot of employers are merely worried that this is going to spill out in the office place. So if somebody's out there on the weekend uh, posting incendiary stuff about the Mideast East conflict, and they come to work on Monday, it could be uncomfortable. Yeah, but I, I think you have to
3: distinguish what is legitimate free speech and what would be promoting hate. And I think that's right now where the lines are being blurred. And, and I think in light of this of this conflict right now, um, if someone is talking about Uh, Palestinian civilians who are losing lives, that's legitimate free speech. But if you're out there promoting um, Hamas flag, that isn't. And so I just think that we should allow free speech, encourage free speech, but there needs to be a a line
1: that says you can't promote um, hate or or terrorism. Jason Agnew, you and I are in a business where we're actually paid to have opinions, but there's a reason why I haven't said a single thing on Twitter about this conflict. I just don't need the headaches.
2: You got it, John. I'm the same way. I mean, Chloe mentioned being a part, being a millennial. As a Gen Xer bordering on Gen Y, I find the easiest thing to do is say nothing on social media. I will share an opinion here and there um, on the radio when I get to talk. But my strongest opinions now are that I want the Blue Jays to sign Joey Votto so he can come home for a year. And
1: that's where it ends. Okay. Is that a controversial opinion?
2: Well, you know, he's, people are saying he's getting up there and he's too old to be a DH for when the right-hander's on the mound, but I believe it would be a nice homecoming and he's still got something to give.
1: Okay. <laughs> this is all way beyond my margin of comprehension when it comes Nick to Nick knows. Okay. 100% in agreement. There we go. Bystanders uh, captured a police officer boarding a TTC streetcar on King to ticket the driver for having driven into the box in an intersection, and then he ended up trapped because he couldn't clear the box. Uh Chloe Brown, I'm all for that. I mean, I'm sorry, maybe it's not easy to drive a streetcar, but if you're going to break the law and inconvenience people, then you deserve a ticket.
0: Yeah, but as someone who rides the TTC, it's just like is there no way that like the police, the drivers can come together and come up with some better traffic management plan? At this point, it's It's one of those reasons why I want to leave Toronto. It's like, how can we not have a better transit system for the rider, the motorist, the cyclist? Where I live in Toronto, the bike lanes has become the bigger issue on Bloor. So it's like, I don't know what the solution is here, but they all need to come together and fix it. See, I was gonna ask you, having run for
1: mayor, if you had a couple of fixes for the TTC.
0: It's one of those beasts that really needs management to be reined in uh, looking at Rick Leary (laughs) because having taken the TTC since birth, it's just declined. And I can't find any other reason than management
1: Okay. Well, and I'd, I'd agree with you entirely. I've observed several times in the show, and it happened to me earlier this week, that I don't take the subway in midday without it coming to a halt and just sitting there. And I realize there's, you know, people walking through tunnels and all kinds of other issues, but it just seems to happen every single time I take the TTC. Uh, Patrick Brown, do you think a driver, a professional driver, deserves a ticket if they block the box?
3: So listen, traffic is a mess in Toronto, but any big city in the world, traffic is is a mess. It's just the reality when you become a large, dense community. Uh, in, in this case, they, the, the police officer and the TTC operator are both employees of the city of Toronto, and so you know they they they, they work for the same um, uh, employee, and so they, there's, there needs to be a better way to handle this rather than emptying everyone out. Um, and what is now going to delay other TTC vehicles. And so um, I'm, there needs to be a protocol set up for what you do if, if an error has been made, and maybe that can be done and a ticket assigned after the shift is over.
1: A new survey suggests Canadians are giving up hope that interest rates are going to go down. Um, Jason Agnew, I'd say that's a very uh, you know, reasonable position because they're not going to come down.
2: Yeah, and this article was about locking into a three or five year now that you know now that you know what you're dealing with, and it's kinda of going with the devil you don't and the devil you know over the devil you don't here because people are worried their rates are gonna to continue to escalate, so they're just locking in what they can do now. They've taken a longer time to pay things back, but it's a matter of hey, we can pay this every month. We know we're set up to do this, so let's not rock the boat and take a risk in the future.
1: Patrick Brown, I guess part of this is because because an entire generation has grown up and then become you know gotten into finance in one form or another without ever knowing that interest rates would be five, six, or seven percent, even though in the 80s they were 18 percent at one point.
3: Yeah, and so our, our reality is is very different. you talk to anyone's parents uh, generation, and it's uh, very different. And so yeah I, I, I think it is wishful thinking that um, we're going to go back to where we were.
1: Chloe Brown you're supposed to go through a stress test to make sure you can accommodate 2 2.5 more than when you what you make a deal at but i guess most people just you know took a chance
0: depending on what demographic you speak to millennials and gen z are not taking the stress test because every day is a stress test <laughs> If you look at groceries the cost of entertainment that is the stress test at this point. Uh, I gave up looking at homeownership in 2020. Because I'm single, like the stress test plus 10% is what you face. So, this announcement about the rates doesn't, I don't want to say it doesn't affect me, but it's just another day in Gotham at this point. <laughs>
1: okay. I'm you're, you're taking a very um, downbeat uh, tone this morning.
0: To be honest, I don't mean to, but I live in an apartment, the rent is going up, even if you get a raise that gets eaten up by the cost of living. So when I hear talks about homeownership and I don't know, the bigger goals in life, it's like I'm 32 and since 2008, there's been a housing crisis, there's still a housing crisis and the adults in the room are arguing about supply, zoning rules. And all I can do is wait. So <laughs> I'm not downbeat as much as I'm neutral. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'd like to pursue this
1: line of reasoning for a second that I guess the, it's we don't have a lot of millennials and Gen Z's on our panels. So uh, Jason Agnew, maybe the um, financial and, you know, uh, lifestyle issues that Chloe is speaking to that's generalized through her entire generation.
2: Uh, No doubt, John. Uh, Chloe's making me feel real old this morning uh, by going into what she's struggling with here. But I do hear this from my fellow co-workers as well, who are just getting, uh, you know, the, the people just getting their jobs that are a lot younger than I am. It is a different world, and they're looking at it through much younger eyes, and
1: it's very different for them. Okay. Well, I guess that becomes a political issue, Patrick Brown.
3: And it's why everyone in the country is talking about housing right now. It's why the prime minister and the premier have made that part of their government. They're responding to the fact there's a crisis. A young person can't even dream of owning a home right now. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's a pain point in Canada, and it's and it's most acute in every big city.
1: Thank you all. Good to have you on this Friday morning, Jason Agnew, Patrick Brown, Chloe Brown. Catch the Roundtable, round one at 7.45, round two at 8.45. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.